Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. Lord, just for this time for us to just come back together, God, to hear from your word and to learn more, Father, about what you have in mind for us in the, in the area of joy and just walking in the fullness of joy. God, we just thank you for your word and the way that it instructs us, reveals to us, God, that is life to our bones. And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So uh, I want to chat with you for a moment in this session about the idea or the concept of breakthrough. So we talked in uh, the first session about what joy is. So we're looking at the verse, joy comes in the morning. So we have the idea of joy, and we talked about what joy is. We took a look at that verse in context. But I want to talk to you about the morning and what that means. In context, it says, For his anger is for a moment, his favor is for life. But weeping may remain for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Now there are several Hebrew and Greek words which are rendered mourning, but the most common Hebrew word is called bokor, which occurs 180 times in the Old Testament. It properly means the breaking forth of light. It means the dawn or the end of nighttime. It's the bright joy after a night of distress. The morning doesn't just signify um, a new day or the presence of light. It signifies the breaking forth of light through darkness. It is a piercing of the dark or an overcoming or an overtaking of the dark by light. It signifies the end or the deliverance from darkness or nighttime. So it signifies the end or the deliverance of your nighttime. So morning, how do we know when night is over? When the sun comes up. It pierces, it overrides the darkness, the light of the sun. We know that darkness is simply the absence of light. So when something is dark, it isn't dark, it's just lacking light. Okay? So if we want to pierce the darkness, we shed light on it. If we want to break the darkness in a dark room, what do we do? We turn on a light. So darkness is simply the absence of light, which means through the power of light, we have the power to overcome or to pierce darkness. Now, what do we carry around with us? The light, the The morning light, the the bright and morning star, the shining light of Jesus Christ. So this means that you and I carry the power to turn on the switch and overcome the darkness even in our own lives. Overcome the seasons of nighttime. Overcome the darkness through the power and the presence of Jesus Christ living and breathing in us. A great example of piercing the darkness we find in just even the creation story. The Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form. It was empty and it was void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then God spoke with his authority, and he said, Let there be light. 
and there was light. And God saw that the light it saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And so the evening and the morning were the first day. It was the light of the morning that broke through that darkness at the voice of the Lord. The presence of the Holy Spirit hovering, waiting to move at the sound of the word of God. Shedding light and piercing not just darkness, but bringing shape to something that was void. Filling a space that was empty. I'm talking about the power that we've been given to speak the word of God where we know the Holy Spirit is leading us and moving. And when we begin to speak in, the the Holy Spirit begins to activate the things that we are speaking. So we have this power to, to look at empty places, empty seasons, places that feel void, without shape, without any form that we can't explain, we can't define. We're in a season of nowhere, a season of darkness, but by the word of God, piercing it and overcoming that with the light of the power of the love of Christ within us. So we're over here, and I'm presenting you this over here, and I see some of you going, and so we're going to talk about how do we get from here to here. Right? Because there's a difference between information and executing information. Right? And so I, I like to tell people all the time, because I'm a, I'm a life coach, and so I will tell them, when God said to Abram, look out, look to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, and as far as your eye can see, that I will give unto you. So he was using the mind's eye to say, tell me what you want. All that you see, I'm going to tell me what's in the desire of your heart. That's what he said to David. He said, tell me what, what the prophet said to David. Tell me what the Lord has put it into your heart to do for him. He says, tell me what is in your heart. And so he says, and then he says, go as far as your eye can see. The next thing he says is, go and walk the land. But what is he saying? He's saying, you can see it. You can look at it. You can have information on it, but at some point you got to walk it out. And that's how we connect from where I'm at today to where I know I need to be. And some of us are at today a place of darkness, a place of void, a place without form, a place that feels empty, and we're hearing this message, and you're saying, but how do I get there? you got to walk it out. We walk it out by action. There was a blind man who was blind. There was mud that was put on his eyes. And Jesus said, if you want to have your sight, you've got to walk to the pool of Siloam and wash this mud off your eyes. His sight came. There was an invitation for him to respond with action. And it was in the act of walking it out, walking it out, that his darkness was pierced by light. His blindness was overcome by sight. And so there's a walking it out that God is going to be inviting us into. And we're going to walk all the way through this. But what I want you to realize is there's power in the choices that you choose to make. See, the Spirit of the Lord was hovering, was hovering, was hovering. But it was when the Lord spoke that things began to manifest. So we see this. We can count on God to break through any season of darkness. And length at nighttime and bring form to any void in our life. It's a, what we call a royal interruption. 
There was a royal interruption on the earth when Jesus was born. The bright and morning star being born, resurrecting a royal interruption. And some of us need a royal interruption in our life. We need our darkness to be pierced by the light of Jesus Christ. And what we call that is a breakthrough. We call that a breakthrough. Why? Because light breaks through the darkness. That's why we call him our breaker anointing. He goes before us and he breaks through the darkness with his presence, with his love. He pierces through our depression with his hope. He pierces through our darkness with his light. He pierces through our anger with his grace. And he is a breakthrough God. He breaks through to get to the depths of your heart. That's the kind of God, it's who he is. He is a breakthrough God. And he cannot be overcome. He can't be overcome by darkness. He can't be overcome by depression. He can't be overcome by death. You know, there's a passage that says, Oh, death, where is thy sting? That's what it's saying. Even death could not hold him back. He is a God of breakthrough. It's not what he does. It's who he is. This is what Brittany was talking about. Moving beyond the hand of God and understanding the heart of God. Who he is. And not defining God by the way you see him working, but defining him by who he is. I was able to, this last podcast that just came out is called Knowing the Person of God. And I share a story in there about how I was uh, inspired by Moses who had experienced all the ways of God. He had seen miracles of God. I mean, who wouldn't want to be Moses? Holding the rod, watching it turn into a snake, picking it up, watching it turn back into a a staff, seeing all kinds of of plagues and and, uh, supernatural works of God. And he gets all the way through that, yet in, in, in Exodus chapter 33, he has the unction, the wherewithal to say, I've seen the ways of God. I've seen the signs of God. I've been a part of the miracles of God. But God, now I want to see your glory. Because he knew there was something more about God. He knew there was more than something than just the ways of God and the works of God and the acts of God. But he wanted to know the person of God. And the person of God begins to reveal himself to him. And remember, he says, I'm going to pass by. I'm going to put my hand over because you can't see me in the fullness of who I am. You can't see the fullness of the glory. And then he begins to speak who he is. I am a God of love. I am a God of compassion. I am. See, he doesn't say, this is what I do. He begins to speak, this is who I am. And the glory of the Lord is the person, it's the nature, it's the character, it's the who he is. And and the part of that glory includes that he is a God of breakthrough. It is not something that he does. It's who he is. When he shows up, breakthrough happens. When Jesus showed up on the scene, breakthrough happened. People got healed. People got delivered. People were raised from the dead. Breakthrough happened. It is who he is. He brings forth breakthrough. So what does this mean for you and I, that we serve this God of breakthrough? Number one, it means I have a hope that breakthrough is coming because if I live and serve and breathe the living God, then I know that breakthrough is a part of that. It's a part of who he is. I want to talk to you for a minute about this word breakthrough because this is a pattern that we see in the Old Testament. 
It's a pattern that we see in the New Testament where Jesus shows up and breakthrough happens time and time and time again. The pattern of God's breakthrough, the fact that he is a God of breakthrough. What does that mean to us? Here's the definition of a breakthrough. Okay, by definition, here's what it means. It is a military movement or an advance all the way through, now listen to me, all the way through and beyond an enemy's frontline defense. Okay, so a breakthrough is a military movement. Everybody say movement. movement. A military movement or an advance. Everybody say advance. Okay, so there's one thing for me to move, it's another thing for me to advance. Advance means not just movement, but it's a movement that's moving me forward. I'm advancing. It's a military movement or advance all the way through. How many of you know what it means to pray through something and not just pray for something? Right? All the way through and beyond. Come on now. Not just getting just enough. But getting beyond and getting beyond past on the other side all the way into the enemy's territory. If you don't know that this is biblical, read the Old Testament. Because they didn't just break through. They took over. And they reaped the spoil of the enemy. Some days it took them, some, some battles it took them three days to collect all the spoil. We call it the booty. The booty of the Lord, right? It took them all that. But they, had to, they didn't just go to the battle, fight the battle, and retreat and go back. They broke through. But there was an act that the people of God got to, were invited to, engage in. We see the opposite of this happening in Numbers chapter 11, where he says, Send for me twelve spies, go out and, and view the land, and see that surely it is as good as I have told you it will be. And they all go out and they, they take a look at the land and they come back with evidence. Surely the Lord has been good to us. Look at all the fruit we've brought back. They brought back this evidence. And here it is. Here's your fruit. And here we are. And there's one thing. I have knowledge of what God has told me. I can see the promises of what God has said. I believe God for what he's saying. But there's one thing that's keeping me from it. And that's my movement. It's my act of advancement, of moving in. And this is where I think as believers, sometimes we get so complacent waiting on God, we miss it when we realize, when we, when we, when there's a shift that God is waiting on you. See, because when he put the staff in, in Moses' hand, that was a staff of a rod of authority, saying, you're going to raise the rod. Do you remember when Moses got to the Red Sea? And he starts crying out to the Lord, and the Lord says, why are you crying out to me? Raise the rod, part the sea, and move forward. And so a military, a breakthrough is a military action that requires movement, that advances us, not just to the enemy line, but it takes us beyond the enemy line, where we don't just uh, just barely make it. We don't just necessarily survive, but we're conquering You understand there's a difference between surviving and conquering. And what does the scripture say that we are? It doesn't, we're more than, look at her, she's like, that's her word, that's her theme, that's her chapter. 
we were talking about what, what's, the, what's the name of your chapter in this season of life. It means I'm not just going to conquer today, but I'm confident that tomorrow I'm going to be a conqueror. And the next day I'm going to be a conqueror. Next week I'm going to be a conqueror. Next month, next year. Because I'm more than a conqueror. That's, that's the idea of an increase or a continual movement, a continual growth or movement in the idea of being a conqueror. So a, mil- a breakthrough is a military movement or an advance all the way through and beyond the enemy's frontline defense. It is an act that we get to engage in. Okay, now, because I'm, I'm going to start challenging you guys, because a lot of us are kind of sitting back. We, we deal with victim mentality all day long as counselors. Victim, well, I can't do that because of this. Well, if I do that, I can't. And so I continuously find myself asking people, what options do you have? Do you remember the woman, the widow that had lost her husband and now the, um, the man was getting ready to come and take her, um, in, it's in 1 Kings or 2 Kings, I believe, and he's getting ready to take uh, the two sons because she owes him a debt. And she comes to the prophet and she begins to say, all of these things that she doesn't have, well, my husband's died and I owe this debt and now the debtor's getting ready to come and he's going to take my boys and he's going to take me, me, me. And she's like talking all about what she doesn't have and why her life stinks. And the prophet says, what do you have in the house? And it's almost as if he doesn't hear her. He's kind of like, time out. Stop talking to me about what you don't have and let's talk about what you do have. And he's trying to shift her mindset to realize that there is always an option. Why? Because God has given us the authority. When he says, stand upon the earth, have dominion, and we're not supposed to be subdued by earthly things. You understand that, right? Read Genesis. We are supposed to stand upon the earth and subdue it. We are supposed to have dominion upon the earth. So there's an authority that God has given to us, but we're getting our butts kicked by the world. Can I just say that? As a kingdom people, we're getting our butts kicked right now. And it's time of the kingdom of heaven's being taken with force, and with force we need to rise up and take it back. And I'm not just talking to your neighbor. I'm talking to you all in here. I don't care what denomination you're from. I don't care what church you go to. We are a kingdom people. I do not care. That is a kingdom principle. When the kingdom of heaven is being taken with force, with force we must take it back. You want to know what tells us what, what worship is all about? It's about unity. It's about us all singing the same songs at the same time in the same pattern, the same rhythm. And what we call that is unity. And the Bible says in Psalm 133 where there's unity that the blessings of the Lord are, in, are released. In fact, it says that God demands his blessings in those places. This is nowhere in my notes, y'all. This is totally free. <laughs> totally free. It's, it is a unified thing. And when we come together in unity, and that's what it, that is what it takes to overcome breakthrough, to, over, to, to activate breakthrough. I'm going to say activate your breakthrough. And I want to talk to you about activating your breakthrough. Now listen, uh, well, I, want, I want you to remember that we are created in the image of God. And a breakthrough is who he is. He is the more bright and morning star. I mentioned that he is the breaker anointing. And it comes out of the book of Micah where it says, then the one who breaks open the wall will go up before them and they will break through the gate and go out. And the king will pass before them, the Lord at their head. As children of God, as children of God, we are created to operate as breaker anointings for the kingdom. Okay, so what does that mean? It means we are the ones that break open the wall and make a way before us 
and break through the great gate so that we can go out into the land of plenty. Are you following this? Are y'all okay? Because we are created in the image of the Lord, and I'm not saying we are gods. Don't see, don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm saying that we are created in the image of God, and so just as He is put, He is a breaker anointing. He has put an anointing in us to go before things and speak by the word of the Lord, light into darkness. Okay, I'm, I know we're, we're doing a little paradigm shift here. But this is what we call activating our breakthrough. We call activating your breakthrough. Your breakthrough starts in your mind. It starts in your mind. It starts first and foremost in saying, ooh, that's mine. Jacob takes a hold of the angel of the Lord, and there was his brother was standing in the way of his land. And he gets there, and there's his whole company of people and there's a there's a line there and he wrestles with the angel of the lord and if you remember what he says he says i'm not letting you go until you bless me that's pretty confident when was the last time you were in a season of wrestling going my land is over there my promise is over there what god has told me is over there and i'm over here and there's all kinds of opposition in between. So you know what? I'm going to go before the Lord. I'm going to reason with the Lord. That's what it says in Isaiah. And I'm going to hold on to him and say, God, I know what you've told me. I'm confident in it. I know this is my promise, and I'm not letting you go until you bless me. That's how you activate a breakthrough. That's how you activate a breakthrough. And so sometimes I think what we do is we sit back and we wait for our breakthrough when God is saying, come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on, baby. Come on in. I have called you. I have placed an anointing on you to be a breaker anointing. That's what prayer is all about. That's what prayer is all about. Stuff's happening when we're praying. It's not our voices just going up into the air. Stuff is happening when we're praying. Shifting is going on in the kingdom. Breakthrough is happening. Otherwise, we, we, at the core of who we are, we all believe that, or we wouldn't pray. We all believe that. We believe that when we pray for somebody for healing, that breakthrough is going to happen in that body. Because we hope for God. And we, we, we activate those things by engaging with God in what he's doing, in knowing what he's doing. I mentioned before that faith is the assurance of things that you have hoped for. The absolute conviction. The absolute conviction. How many of us can say I have an absolute conviction? I'm confident. I'm absolutely convicted. There was a season of our life years ago uh, where Brad was, I mean, like literally like 12 years ago, Brad was unemployed and we had, we, I was getting ready to have our sixth baby and, and we had been unemployed for a long time. So we were losing stuff. We were about to lose our house. We're, and, and, uh, and, and I, I love what you said because some people were like, you just need to have faith. And I'm like, that's not helpful. Right? right? Okay. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and so, but the Lord, so I, we got together with a group of people, and they're like, we're just going to pray, and we're going to keep praying and praying and praying and praying, and we're going to stand next to you, and we're believing God for a breakthrough. We just need a breakthrough. And they got to that passage in Hebrews that talks about coming before the Lord with an assurance of his faith, and then going on and saying, but he is a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. And the connection there is that our faith keeps, keeps us knocking. Remember the woman that kept going and knocking at the judge? He's like, oh, so this woman would just leave me alone, just give her what she wants. That's breakthrough. 
That's unction. That's tenacity. That's stepping in what and not letting go until you know what God has promised you is in your hand. And God revealed to me in those during that time frame, I had to be honest before the Lord and say, I'm not so sure. I don't have an absolute conviction right now. I'm struggling at the very core. Why? Because I was losing hope. Because I was losing hope. You want to know why? Because my hope was in Brad getting a job. My hope wasn't in God providing for us even if he didn't get a job. And when I shifted my hope, when I, <laughs> when I shifted my hope and I realized that my hope wasn't, was in the hand of God and not the heart of God, when I shifted it, faith began to rise up and I began to pray with a new boldness and confidence and an assurance and absolute conviction that what I wasn't seeing was a reality. For Brad and I and our children. Who cares more about our children starving, me or God? Let's be honest. I care a lot about whether or not my children starve. But not nearly. It doesn't even scratch the surface to have the care that the Lord has for my children. And so I had to step back and say, how do I shift from this place and get back to this place where I can say this with all confidence? I have an absolute conviction that there are realities that I have yet to see. Remember we talked about faith being of the eye. It's what you see. It's what you visualize in that mind's eye. It's the look up to the north, to the south, to the east, to the west, and tell me all that your eye can see. But hope is in the heart, and it springs up out of your deepest desires. They are deeply, deeply intertwined, and they are deeply the core of your joy. They're the core of your joy. Remember the scripture says, for all of the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. They are a yes and an amen. They're not just, yeah, I think so. I think, I hope so. No, they are an absolute conviction that God's promises for you and I are a yes and amen. But again, where we struggle, where we have to be cautious is that we're not placing our hope on a false hope. Our hope can't be in getting what we want, in Brad getting a job. It has to be in God and God alone. In Romans chapter 4, this is one of my favorite, favorite passages. It says, Against all the odds, Abraham's hope grew. Now listen to me. Listen, to. here's a man who was told, you're going to have a baby. Sarah's going to get pregnant, and you will be the father of many nations, and a nation will come forth out of your seed. And we, knew that the, we know that the Bible goes on to talk about their age and how they were old, and Sarah's womb was dry, and it was barren. It was what? It was empty. It was void. There was no hope in it. But here it says, against the odd, not only did Abraham have hope, it says his hope grew. This is, this is where I know, okay, I said to somebody earlier, you know, this message, I struggled with it for a while because I was like, God, this is kind of a basic elementary message. You know, I mean, the last couple of messages that I've been writing have kind of been deep and profound. And God was like, oh, so you're telling me you've perfected the area of joy in your life. Y'all, in case you don't realize, that was the Lord disciplining me. <laughs> in case you didn't pick up on that. And so, the, I, so that's the whole thing is, and so I'm being challenged here and saying, this is more than just 
considering your trials, but it's glorying in your trials. This is more than just having hope. It's coming to a place that in spite of the odds, our hope grows. Right? Because it's of God. And remember, the kingdom of heaven is on the increase. So our hope is in. So our hope should continuously be growing. We should, we should wake up tomorrow with more hope than we have today. And we should be confident in that because it's not based in our circumstances, remember? Because if I know the kingdom of heaven is increasing, why wouldn't my hope continue increase? Makes sense, right? But how many of us are walking that out? The Bible says against the odds, Abraham's hope grew into a full-fledged faith. Remember how his hope gave way to his faith? That he would turn out to be the father of many nations just as God had promised when he said... That's how many your descendants will be. His faith did not fail. Although he was well aware that his body was impotent. Come on now, that doesn't make any sense. We, how many times have you guys read this passage and been like, cool, that's good, that's good. This is amazing. After nearly 100 years, he was as good as dead and Sarah's womb was dead too. Yet his hope continued to grow. Uh, y'all, I, I ain't there yet. I'm not, this is why I need this message. All right? So he's like, in spite of all this, his faith in God's promise did not falter. So his faith was not, his faith was in God. It did not falter. In fact, his faith grew as he continued to rejoice and glory in God. Now, what, did, what am I learning in this? Remember I mentioned earlier, which comes first, your breakthrough of your circumstance or your joy. But this tells me that his faith grew as he engaged in the act of rejoicing and glorying in God. Okay, that's the activating of our breakthrough. Because he was supremely confident. It came up, his joy, his rejoicing came out of what? Because he was supremely confident that God would deliver on his promises. Y'all, I'm not making this up. This is the scripture. This is it right here. He was supremely confident that the prospect of possessing what he was desiring, which was God's promise for him, was going to come true. And out of that, an emotion was evoked, and that emotion was joy. But here it says also that his faith grew because he acted in joy, which activated his faith and his hope, which loosed joy, which caused him to rejoice, which you follow? You see how the, the, the invitation here that God has given to us to activate things in our life. This is good news, y'all. This is an empowering message. It means I don't have to sit in the corner waiting on God. When I hear the Lord saying, sweetheart, rejoice and praise, you never have to question, God's just not calling me to rejoice today. Never going to happen. Never going to happen. Well, I'm just supposed to sit here and wait on the Lord. What does that look like? It looks like rejoicing. You know, to wait on the Lord, which interestingly enough, you said that, waiting on the Lord's strength will rise, is what it's saying. To wait on the Lord actually means to be twisted up with him, like a twisty tie. When you're waiting on the Lord, you get twisted up, meaning I'm going to press into him so much that you can't tell which side's me, which side's him, which side's me, which side's him. And we activate that. We wait on the Lord and our strength will rise. A supreme confidence 
is what this is talking about. I don't know about you, but I struggle with that. I love uh, the story in Mark chapter 9 uh, with the man who has the kiddo who's been really, really sick. And, and Jesus says to him, do you believe that I can make your boy well? And do you remember what he says? He says, Lord, I do believe. Oh, help me in my unbelief. And I, I chuckle every time. I, because are we not this wavering back and forth, this struggling in our faith, and this wavering? Because why? Because his, he, what I hear him saying there is, I'm wavering back and forth between is my hope in Jesus or is it my hope in my child being healed? So he's going back and forth going, well, I, I believe and I, I believe in you, God, but I don't know if I, I do, but I don't. Because he's wavering back and forth and saying, ooh, where is my hope here? Is my hope in that he is going to be healed? Or is it my hope that Jesus is a healer? You follow? Our hope isn't in the hand of God. It's in the heart of God. It's in the ways of God. I think Brittany read my notes this morning. I have no idea where I'm at in my notes, which is always a good thing. This is actually more accurate to how we rock and roll, is it not? going back and forth like the man with unbelief and he struggled and he's like, Lord, help me, ma'am. I do believe. I help me, ma'am. I do. I help me, right? That's more accurate to who we are, let's be honest. Right? Because if we claim we can see, we shall remain blind. That's what the scripture tells us in John chapter 9. This is actually, so the idea is that we need to choose faith. I shared with you a little bit earlier about the drawing near, the, the passage that talks about having an assurance of faith. That's in Hebrews chapter 10, and it says, Let us draw near with a true heart and assurance of faith. Let us draw near with a true heart and assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then it says this, Let us hold fast because the answer is in the next verse. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. Where is our hope? You follow? So when I was saying, I, wasn't my, I didn't have the assurance of faith. And I'm like, Lord, what do I do? I don't have an assurance of faith. And God goes, keep reading. Read the next verse, and I'll give you the answer. The answer is hold fast to your confession of hope. Hold fast to your confession of hope without wavering. For he who promised... Part of, do you know what it means to confess something? It means I'm going to speak it. I'm going to use my mouth and I'm going to speak it. How many of us are confessing and speaking our hope as, a, as much as we're speaking and confessing what we don't have and what we're not getting and what we're fe- where we're feeling hopeless? Where, you know there's power is the death and life are in the tongue. That's what the scripture says. And there's a reason why he says confess your hope that you have. Confess it. Speak it continuously. Why? Because by the word of the Lord, darkness gets pierced by light. God was teaching us something right there in the very beginning of Genesis. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. The activation, the the power of his word to overcome empty things and fill it, to bring shape to places that are void, to bring light to places that are darkness. Despite the deadness of any situation, it is possible not to only have faith, but it's possible for your faith to grow. Come on. How many of you want to be like that? Like, my faith is growing through this. My faith is growing through this. Now, a lot of times we talk about, when you and I were chatting a little bit last night about you know, areas where we've struggled with our health or whatever and how we can see God growing our faith despite the circumstance, despite the trial and the tribulation. 
But that, that means we have to actively engage in that thought process. That just doesn't happen. We've had to choose to put our hope on the character of God, despite what we're walking through. The health issue didn't just go away. The health issue didn't, it didn't just go away. But learning to walk and consider it joy, here's what I want you to hear me saying is, your joy is the breakthrough. Because God isn't so much concerned with breaking through your circumstances. He's concerned with breaking through your heart. And as you begin to operate in joy despite your negative circumstances, that will activate your breakthrough. That will activate your breakthrough. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we see this with King Jehoshaphat. When he was facing a great multitude that was coming against his land and his people. His land, his people. This is my land, God. Yet now here are all these people coming after us. Oh, Lord, what do we do? It's an incredible passage. And he begins to cry out unto the Lord and ask him, what do we do? And the scripture says that um, he, he feared and he set himself to seek the Lord. It said he feared the Lord and he set himself to seek the Lord, placing his hope only in God. He set out for a fast throughout all of Judea, Judah, and it says that he laid on his face all night long and he sought the Lord. And the Lord got up and said, this battle is yours. You will win this battle. You will have the victory this day. And it says, it said this, the Bible said to the spirit, that the Spirit of the Lord fell upon Zechariah, which was the prophet of the time. And God told him to tell Jehoshaphat that God was with them and would give them the victory. So we hear the Lord speaking and saying, this is what's going to happen. This is what I am promising you. And then Jehoshaphat was told, okay, I've told you what was going to happen. So tomorrow, go down and advance against them. Okay, we're talking about, a, that's the definition of a breakthrough is when we choose to actively engage, and, and Zechariah is telling him here, this is what God is saying, and here's your invitation to activate what God is saying, to bring it to pass. Go down and advance against them. The story goes on to tell us he bowed on his face, and he worshiped the Lord all night long. Absolutely, I don't know, maybe there was angst in him, I don't know. But what I do know is he bowed down and he worshiped the Lord all day, all night long. And what I can tell you is possibly, when I am laying on the floor with my face down, I can't see on the, on the right, I can't see on the left, I am absolutely, totally undistracted, wholeheartedly, undividedly focused on the Lord, period. My hope is now in him. I'm not up, up, up all night preparing my strategy. How am I going to think? My hope is in God. It's not in my strategy. It's not in my wisdom. It's not in my soldiers. It's, it's in the, the word of the Lord. My hope is in him and him alone. And he got up and he said, Believe in the Lord your God and you shall be established. Believe in his prophets and you shall prosper. Remember I talked about those declaratory, declarative phrases. You shall, you shall. The word believe here means to be firm. Where it says believe in the Lord, be firm. It means to be firm, to be stable, to be established. How many of us believe like that? I am firm, I am stable, and I am established. I believe to that degree. It is an unwavering faith where you have no doubts, no tossing back and forth. My emotions aren't going this way and that way, but I am firm. 
I am stable, I am established, and I am stout. I believe to that, to that degree. Remember the definition of joy. The emotion evoked by well-being or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. We see this come into place. He places his hope in God, and there's an emotion that is evoked that he believes, he is firm, that what God has promised me, we are going to possess it. And he's like, okay, let's not wait till we see it to act on it, but let's send forth our praising band, our rejoicing band, our worship team in the front lines, in the battle. Y'all, if you don't know how much worship is breakthrough, you're missing it. Worship is an act of breakthrough. Read the Bible. That's how we break through. That's why we start with worship. We're opening up the heavens. We're setting our hearts and our minds. We're coming into a place of unity. And we're breaking through the chaos in our mind, the hustle in our heart, the whatever it is that we come into worship with, all this stuff in your head. And so that's what's happening. In this case, I have no doubt it was an emotion evoked by choosing to believe, to be firm, to be faithful, establishing the word of God, and that emotion that was evoked was his joy, and it was manifested. And the Bible goes on to say, after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for his splendor and the splendor of his holiness as they went. What did they do? They moved. So we have here now a combination of two actions, an act of praise and worship with advancement movement. Okay? This is what you call a breakthrough. We're all sitting back on waiting, but breakthrough says you're going to engage in movement that advances you forward. After consulting him, uh, the Jahasphat appointed men to sing, to the splendor of his holiness, and they went out at the head of the army singing, give thanks to the Lord for his Lord in love endures forever. And they, as they began to sing in praise, as they began to sing in praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. They were defeated. You see, their joy, the joy that they chose to engage in didn't just bring about their breakthrough, it was the breakthrough. The joy was the breakthrough. Because when we as a people of God learn how to operate in joy, despite our crappy circumstances, that's a breakthrough. That's a breakthrough for the kingdom. That's a breakthrough for you and I as sisters in Christ. That's a breakthrough when I learn to live in joy, even though my circumstances aren't great. It's a breakthrough when I learn to consider joy all of my trials and tribulations. That is a breakthrough because it's not a matter of circumstance. It's a matter of your heart. Breakthrough happens on, in the heart. God's not, I'm not going to say God's not concerned about your circumstances. He is concerned about your circumstances. But he's first and foremost concerned about your heart. And he will twist and turn and shake your circumstances up to rescue your heart. He will. Because, he's more, because your heart is what's going to heaven. You understand that. That's the, you are going, your circumstances, you're going to keep them here. When you learn to settle in joy, even in your circumstances, that is a breakthrough. And that is our power that we have. That's the authority. And we should feel inspired like, oh, okay, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Like that's something I can do. So when people come in, and, and, I, and I'll tell you, there's times people come in, and I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to tell them. Your circumstances 
suck. I like, I know, I'm like, I'm supposed to be encouraging you here, but it's really bad. And we have people that come in who are like, you know, coming in from a homeless circuit, and you listen to their history and their past, and it can be very depressing. And, and I think in my head, I don't know what else to do them, and so I'm just going to give them the assignment of praising and worshiping God. Duh. That is the breakthrough they need. When we can learn that who we are has nothing to do with the life we live. I'm going to say that again. Who we are has nothing to do with the life we live. It has everything to do with the life Jesus lived. That's it. And when we learn that and we can rejoice in that, you will be living in a breakthrough. You will be living in a breakthrough. If you struggle with joy, I recommend that you ask, where am I placing my hope? If it's on things or people or circumstances, and you find that your hope and your faith is waning back and forth, you will realize that your joy also is waning back and forth. And your life will continue to be emotionally volatile. And maybe that's where you choose to settle. Relying on the waves of life instead of the rock of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. Are you living according to the waves of life instead of standing on the rock of Jesus? Because it is possible for all of us to decide that my joy is my breakthrough and I am no longer positioned in a corner as a victim, but I know that I know that the scripture says I am positioned with Christ upon high in the heavenlies. And I was telling my sisters in the Lord at lunch, that means we're up here in the third heavens. So if you don't understand, the first heavens is your earthly realm. Your second heavens is where your angelic and demonic battles take place. And your third heavens is where you are seated with Christ upon high. Now get from that perspective and look down and realize that you are in an authoritative position. You have been positioned where you can look down, have the perspective of Jesus and go, oh, look at the angels and the demons battling. And I understand spiritual warfare and how it goes. And all the way down here is this crappy world that I'm living in. And I'm not trying to be negative, but I'm trying to be realistic here. Life is hard. Can we just be honest? It's hard. And so there's an authority that we have when we understand that we are seated with Christ upon high in the heavenlies. That's what it tells me in the book of Ephesians. So when I look at the position, we're looking to talk about totem pole, right? We're in, and we have to understand that we don't have to sit back and live life victimized. But we can choose, and how we activate that is by choosing joy. And in the third session, we're going to talk about living in joy. Because again, I'm, trying to, I'm, I'm presenting a concept to you that we all know, kind of adjusting your definition of what that is, and now I'm trying to walk you through how do I bring that to pass in my life. Who, how many of you want to really live in the fullness of joy all the time? Because that, of course we do. We do because it's in us. The seed of God is in us. And so my, my prayer is that you're not just inspired this weekend, but you're equipped and you're empowered to walk it out. You follow? Father, you do it. God, I, I, can, I can present all, all I want, all that you've told me to do, but Father, you do it from the inside out. God, I pray for holy revelation and that you would just reveal to them, Father, for each one of them individually, right where they're at, God, what this means for them, right in their season today. God, and you show them what that looks like to walk it out. You do it, God. God, I've done what you've asked me to do, God. Now I'm pulling on your hem, and I'm asking you to do the rest, Father. Lord, we love you, we thank you, we praise you. 
And it's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to my podcast, Enforcing Purpose with Lisa Schwartz. For more information or to keep up on current events and products, please go to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com.